It's party time. It's the shank of the evening. My friend Orville and I are having cocktails in ten minutes at my island cottage. Uh, strictly informal. Wait a minute. You can't do that. Oh, but I can. It's Orville's coming out party. He's been away for a long time. Orville's in the underground, you know. I'm sure he has uh, many interesting things to tell. Many. It is entitled, Not Your Own Demand. Roughly translated, Both of the Dead. The book is found in human flesh and in human blood. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life by translation lights lock the door shimmy on over to your badly upholstered couches or love seats whatever you sit in to listen and sit back and enjoy this 11 o'clock comics episode 28 our special horror episode for the halloween season where we have solicited questions from our fantastic forumites and we're going to answer them and read their questions and as usual i'm vince b 
Sorry, I had to have a woot in there. I'm Christopher Neesman. Oh, God, so you're going to be reading stuff from the forum? Yes, that's, oh. that, that's why we got you on the show, because we know how much you love to read things on the air. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> What's your name, young man? Uh, Tom Caters. That's right, Tom Caters. And we have a guest in the studio with us tonight, because Mr. David Price cannot be with us. So we had to get two people to fill his mighty big shoes. Yes. And in the studio with us, we have the author of The Contingent. He is an author. Leave him alone. The author from mm-hmm. The Contingent by Mindstorm Comics and the face of DCBS and the voice of DCBS on everybody's message forum, Mr. Zach Cruz. Hey. How you doing? There he is. And it's not Cruz. I learned that this weekend. It's not Cruz. It's not? It's cruising. No. Cruising, yeah. yeah. Oh, I am, I'm, a, I'm a dumbass. Yes, you are. That's okay. I've been saying it. You know, Vince, I, I, I had one of those, like, really uncomfortable experiences. Zach walks up to me at the show and says, hey, I'm Zach. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? He's like, yeah, and it's Cruci. And oh. I was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel bad because people have butchered my name since day one, and I hate it when they do it. And I, So to turn and do it to somebody else, it sucks. I'm sorry. See, no, 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 don't be. That's exactly why I don't feel bad about it. It never hurts my feelings because everyone has butchered it from day one. So <laughs> there's, even, there's even other people around here that have the same last name. They changed their pronunciation to Cruz just because it was easier. So Ah, Cruzy. I like that uh, better. And, 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 I really and Zach, do. And Zach, Zach was very, very nice about it. And I was like, oh, crap, i got to tell Vince. <laughs> so, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, as we said, this is our special horror-themed episode, horror comics and nothing but horror comics. And I, like last week, am drinking the arrogant bastard ale. And how appropriate that it has the little gargoyle demon devil thing on it. It, it fits. Yes, it's conceptual continuity. Dude, I get what? some fucking chopped liver over here. Uh, I was going to say. Oh, well, shit, well, yeah. Well, this wood guy. <laughs> The, the, drink, the, the drink roll call with uh, oh, our other... You know, you're away more often than you're on, so I just oh, I don't know what's bullshit. going on. <laughs> Two weeks out of 27 episodes, like shit. All right, pretend I didn't say the thing. Oh, the drinks. fucker. <laughs> Go ahead. I can't even do a joke now. I was going to say... I'm oh, yes, you could. Do it. I'm Michael Myers. Why couldn't you be Jason Voorhees? It's too easy. All right. Oh, because you didn't sell out on that. You're <laughs> it was half-assed. You, you told us beforehand it wasn't going to be funny. Yeah. It's, it's not... I forget. You're not Michael Myers. No, you're Jason Wood here with us again. All right, we're all here. I'm drinking Arrogant Bastard Ale. What's everybody else drinking? Shocker. Well, uh, I tried to get the one that I got last week, and they didn't have it, so I had to get this. Wood, what are you drinking? <laughs> I got something for you. I, I, I was feeling inspired to, do, to, to make you proud to, this week, so I am drinking an Iron Man. Which wow. not only is it a superhero cocktail, but it's right up your alley, Chris. Why? Because the main ingredient, whiskey. Mm, okay. A couple ounces Maybe. of whiskey. What kind of whiskey? Uh, well, I'm drinking Seagram 7, which I don't know if that's a sacrilege yeah. for you, but that's what I had in the house. So. All right. Um, is that no good? Well, that's Canadian. Um, yeah, well, and, damn you know, Canadians. You know, you know how Tom and I feel about Canadians. Uh, um, nothing I can do with that. Uh, my Canadians are wonderful people. Yeah, my father-in-law was here for a week, and he he had left. Uh, he drank Seagrams, and he had it here, so I mixed it. Um, so it's uh, equal parts Seagram Seven or any, I guess, whiskey of your choice. Another part of vodka, a little Seven Up, ice cubes, voila, very good. I'll have to try. Serving an old-fashioned glass, 
nice. I, I'll mm-hmm. I'll give it a try. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I'd ruin bourbon by mixing vodka <laughs> with it. So maybe maybe it is good to stay with the Canadian whiskey on that. Um, there you go. Zach, what are you drinking? A uh, drink of my own concoction. It's called a uh, I call it a Christmas cheer. It is gin and uh, Rumpelmans uh, peppermint schnapps and Red Bull. It tastes awful. Holy mackerel! It's it's really wow. awful, but it does My the job. Goodness. See, yeah, you it's, should it's call broken. that a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's Christmas cheer because gin sort of has like a pine taste to it, so that's like the Christmas tree. And then you know the peppermint schnapps, okay, candy canes, and then the Red Bull is that jolt of excitement you get when you run down the stairs and find your presents. Ooh, there's a that's theme. I like it. Like a true writer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and speaking of, speaking of writers, um, the uh, the drink roll call. I was informed this weekend that uh, Will Pfeiffer usually is turning the corner on the the first pass, mowing his lawn whenever we get to the drink roll call. So we're still maybe mowing grass up here in the Upper Midwest. So Will <laughs> might be listening at this point whenever he's mowing his grass. So, um, Tom, what what are you drinking this week? Uh, I am drinking a 16-ounce camouflage can tall boy of Miller High Life. Oh, ah. Limited shock. edition fall series. <laughs> it says, it says could... enjoy after the adventure, which I'm pretty sure is not referring to this. But Oh, Jesus. You know, Tom, I'm ready for you to get back to the Clamato. Uh, that's a summer drink. It's refreshing. This yes. is more, this is, this is hunting weather, even though I've <laughs> gone hunting exactly once. I do enjoy drinking, so... Enjoys that hunt for that next can. He couldn't yes, find what, the what snipe. Did, what did what you did hunt? hunting for? What was I? It was deer hunting. Ah, uh, wow. with a bow or a rifle? Hell no! It was with knives. <laughs> a boomerang. <laughs> I dressed up like a deer, like a female deer, and then when a male deer approached me, I uh, I, sure. I cut it, cut it from uh, <laughs> neck to crotch, right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I've heard it through the grapevine that the little event that went on this past weekend was very well regarded. I don't know how regarded it was, but it was well attended, and that's all that matters, baby. Oh, come on. <laughs> I heard a lot of good Five things. Five bucks a person. As long as they come in, who cares if they like it or not? Exactly. <laughs> Once they're in, no refunds. Uh-uh. Uh, no, it was it was really a, it, it was a fun weekend. Did you have fun, Tom? I Yeah, I had a, I had a, a pretty good time. Zach, did you have, did you have a good I, time? I had an incredible time. Although I have to say, I was a little creeped out during the burlesque show more than once. That's what I hear. We got we got their weight. I just caught the end of it. But uh, yeah, I was a little a little crazy. Yeah, well, where the Bride of Frankenstein was, you know, being sexy and getting naked, and then all of a sudden just starts clinging the walls and screaming. That was that was a little unsettling. Oh man, I would have loved that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It kind of turned into like a weird rape fantasy thing, and it was just uncomfortable. Well, I found it really appealed to my necrophilia. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yes, but, but anyway, it was uh, it was a really good day. Uh, we ended up. Uh, I think our official estimate on attendance was right at uh, right over fifteen hundred, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, everyone seemed very happy. No complaints. No fights. Uh, it was uh, it was good. 
Great. Of That's good awesome to hear. time. So, so check, go to the website. It's got uh, a gallery of pictures. There's actually a bunch of uh, video interviews that uh, people were doing that have been posted on YouTube. So, um, you see some video, bunch of pictures and yeah, it'll, it'll happen next year. Uh, probably about the same weekend. So. Uh, keep that, uh, you know, October 26th, nothing official yet, but that's kind of probably the time that we're, that we're looking at doing it next year. And I I uh need to tell you something. I have already booked that place for my own comic book convention for that weekend. (laughs) You know, that's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I went to the comic shop tonight and was informed that, uh, that, uh, what do they say? The, the, uh, the best form of flattery is that uh, there money. there might be, money money is definitely <laughs> free drinks. Um, yeah, that there actually might uh, there are people that uh, are already kind of planning to uh, to do some small conventions around Chicago after mm-hmm. after they saw what happened on Saturday. So how are we going to sabotage them? I don't know. I'm going to find some names and uh, you know talk to a guy. Maybe Tom could dress up like a deer and creep up on <laughs> them when when they're not looking. <laughs> they ask me what character I am. I'll say it's an original creation. I'm promoting my book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a lot of questions to cover, so let's, let's let's dive in here. Number one, and it's a pretty easy one. What is your favorite horror comic book character and why? Now, let's start off with Mr. Wood on this one. You can't start off with me on this one. Why not? I'm ill-prepared. I need I- a moment. I'll jump in. I I could say I have to narrow it down to two, and they're both basically the same. No, they're both. Okay, they're both basically the the same characters conceptually. They were both written by the same man, Steve Gerber. I'd have to either go with Man Thing, obviously, or Simon Garth, the zombie. Gerber's approach to these stories, he featured these characters. Not in the foreground, but as a prop within the stories. And he had these other little stories revolving around them. Like, the stories were never really about the man thing. They were already always about the creatures and the people he encountered. And the same thing with Simon Garth. Once he became the zombie, it was all about the various cultures and people he would encounter in the swamp. So, as a breeding ground for great stories, I don't think I've ever read better than what Steve Gerber cooked up. And uh, the Swamp Thing, just or the Man Thing, just looks really cool. I mean, once you see the design for that character, and uh, I think the very first time I encountered the Man Thing was on the cover of Monsters Unleashed. It was a Neil Adams cover where he drew the Man Thing huge, larger than life, with breaking guys' backs in his hands. And from that minute on, as soon as I saw that Man Thing, I was hooked because it was so different than what my my usual diet of Marvel and DC comics to see these black and white magazines it was it was a revelation so yeah i would have to say man thing and and simon garth and it, you know later on in life you read those simon garth stories and he's a dick from page 1 he's he's a rich dude who i think he's he the uh, gerber called him the coffee king where he was an importer exporter of coffee and and all that but he's a dick to the people around him he's a dick to his workers and ironically the guy starts living after he's dead because he's pretty emotionless in 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 real in in living but then once he dies he picks up on all these emotions of of the people that are around him and and he makes for a better character dead so I didn't learn that until much later in life. As a kid, it's just cool to see this zombie walking around, but you never really get the, the center of the nut of Gerber's stories until much later. Next, Chris, 
I don't read a lot of the classic uh, horror comics. I've gone back and I've started to, to pick up on some of them. So a lot of the stuff I'll be talking about tonight is more more the the modern stuff that's come out in the last few years. And um, one book that, that we talk about on uh, on AC quite a bit because Tim Seeley is usually dropping by is Hackslash, and I think that Cassie Hack is a really fun character and that that kind of you know puts the uh, the damsel in distress you know on you know flips that on its head and uh, and Tim has had a lot of fun uh, writing that character is uh, you know just this total badass chick and uh, so yeah Cassie Hack is uh, is probably my favorite horror comic character and she's hot and she is hot yeah that always helps with some ass too <laughs> Mr. Cruzy. I'm going to go with uh, Cal McDonald from the Steve Niles books. I I mean, I love all the regular old horror characters, but Cal is just cracks me up every time. I mean, he's he's always in, you know, usually pretty good horror stories, but he's just uh he's a nice foil against the horror background, you know, the private detective who is not just the standard, you know, type of uh, Dashiell Hammett or Raymond Chandler alcoholic, but like a raging alcoholic drug addict who is best friends with you know, a monster. So, uh, and originally I got hooked on him with the Criminal Macabre miniseries, uh, which is fantastic. And then I read all of Steve's books that he wrote, the the prose novels, which are, uh, the first one's okay, but uh, the second one is Guns, Drugs, and Monsters. That's that's a very, very good book. So that's mine, just Cal McDonald, because I just, I love private detectives, I love horror, and I love drunks. So, cool. Perfect. <laughs> I've never read any of those. Didn't Kelly, yeah. J- Kelly Jones draw a lot of them? Uh, yeah, he did some of the later ones, um, the IDW stuff, mm-hmm. and then I th- I can't recall if that if he worked on some of the stuff when it came back to Dark Horse or not. But I know he did the IDW. Yeah, Kelly series Jones is awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess we have to hear from Mr. Caters. My favorite is it's probably more general than everyone else's. I always like werewolves. When I was a kid, I was like obsessed with werewolves, like to the point where my parents were probably concerned. Uh, <laughs> slightly concerned at why I was spending so much time reading about werewolves. No, I'm slightly concerned. You should be. Uh, I, uh, I I've always really enjoyed reading stories about werewolves. I mean, not uh, none. I can really pick out as being really spectacular. I always enjoyed picking up old issues of like Werewolf by Night, but I'd be hard pressed to say that those were really fantastic comics most of the time. But Mr. I was Jack like Russell, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. How nice funny look. is that? You know, but, it, uh, it's funny. It's funny, Tom, because what werewolves are why I don't like horror movies to this day. I was like 10 years old and stumbled across uh, The Howling like on a Saturday afternoon. They were oh, yeah. playing it on the local UPN state or the, uh, the not UHF um, station. Freaked me out. Never liked horror movies ever after that. So it's actually werewolves that, uh, that freaked me out and obsessed me in a totally wrong way. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, you're kind of a pussy. I am. <laughs> this, this is known. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wood. Yeah. Uh, I'm tempted to say Hellboy because I'm kind of new to uh, to him, and uh, so I'm a little obsessed right now. But I don't even know if he really... I guess, would you say he's... I don't even know if that qualifies, though, so... Oh, um, yeah, it qualifies. Yeah, okay. Well, then yeah. I, I, I'll say that because, obviously, I mean, it's probably not new news for a lot of you guys are listeners, but um, I, I didn't read a Hellboy comic until about uh, two, three months ago when I got the first, uh, that first uh, beautiful, um, you know, oversized hardcover, and uh, it lived up to the hype, so, um, you know, kind of like Chris, I mean, I, I, I didn't read a ton of uh, horror books 
when I was kind of coming up in comics. Um, I, the only one I really <clears throat> I read a lot of was uh, Tomb of Dracula. You know, and again, uh, that I, I have a great uh, fondness for that, but I think more for nostalgia purposes than you know than because it was scary or anything like that. So uh, yeah, so I'll go with Hellboy. On to the forum. Comic Geek Speaks, Peter Rios, is obviously trying to be as obscure as possible. He says the Monkey King in Swamp Thing. This time of year always brings that story back to mind. It was the mid-twenties of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, featured the demon, and scared my little 12, 13-year-old comic reading self. Awesome stuff, and I'm always surprised at how many people have not read Mr. Moore's run. And in the very next post, Mr. Wood admits to not having read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run. Tis true. I hope you rectify you that will. situation you because will. just last month in previews they offered the first volume of the remastered Swamp Thing. Indeed, they did. And did you order it? I don't know, Zach. Did I order it? <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. I ordered yeah, it. I don't know. I ordered it too, how, how many, even how though many I have issues? them. How many issues is? Uh, is it, and now is this a hardcover? Yes, it is. Yeah. And how many issues are in it? Seven, I think. Eh, okay. It starts off with the never before reprinted number twenty. And then goes right into the um, oh jeez, I am getting old. The the, four, the four, autopsy, yeah. um, the, mm-hmm. the 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 story in which Alan Moore just totally revamps Swamp Thing yeah. from the from well, the that was the all with- title we're looking for to issue twenty one story is the anatomy lesson. Tom, Tom you know this stuff. It's, it's like seen at an old folks home. It is really. <laughs> Do you remember how that started? Before, yeah, and it's as good as you've heard. I mean, it is something that lives up. Oh, definitely. All the hype that you've heard about it. So, it's not Back, Backwards Dave says, uh, not so much a character as a type. I like me some undead. Dracula zombies, that kind of stuff. Why? Because mostly there just seems to be some interesting stuff being done with them right now. And he, he would be right. A lot of vampire comics out there. This is vampires are sexy. As Buffy proved, yeah. Jim N. says, the man thing. Go, Jim. I don't think he's always been written that well. Oh, my God. But I like the character's design. Swamp swamp monsters are cool, and I like the idea of a nearly mindless monster as the central character of a comic book series always appealed to me. When a writer like Steve Gerber can step up to meet the challenge of a book like that, it's impressive. Yes, it is. So are Swamp Thing and Man Thing effectively the same? No. No. I mean, in terms of are they both the same kind of creature? Well... They do kind of have the same type of origin. They're, they're both chemically induced transformations. Like Ted Salas was working on a derivative of the super soldier serum when he got, he took the serum to hide it from the people trying to steal it and somehow got caught on fire and, do, and dove into the swamp. And the result was the swamp thing. Now, he was true to life then. Yes. Where you go on Alan Moore's, uh, I turn into the man thing. See, stupid me. Alan Moore Swamp Thing is a much different origin, but still, it's based in that research angle where he was trying to find a a formula that would grow plants and solve world hunger. And I believe he also caught on fire. I believe yes, he did. Is fire a, is a crucial element of it. Catching on fire while doing science is a major theme. When it <laughs> yes, comes to somehow leads to photosynthesis and like that. <laughs> yeah. Steve Rakers also votes for the man thing for his ability to be a constant house of mystery fulcrum that all types of horror stories can spring from and center around. See, that's it. The the man thing and uh, Simon Garth they were the little they were they were Jupiter in which all the satellites revolved around them and they had a real good time. So. Hi guys, uh, it's Matt Burden or Templar from uh, the forum. Just wanted to drop you a line and say. 
Thanks for making me buy a shitload of comics. Um, and uh, you haven't steered me wrong yet. I'm loving it. Uh, everything you've you've got me onto, I'm I'm enjoying. Final Crisis, Lock and Key, House of Mystery, uh, The Works, everything. And now my wife is um, walking the streets with a, an early Christmas list looking for Queen and Country. Thanks, Chris. She sends her love also. Anyway, um, keep up the good work. By Deadpool, by Witchblade, by all the other stuff. Um, yeah, big love from the UK. Uh, keep up the good work. Bye. And uh, so let's move on to question number two. Favorite horror creators? Penciler, inker, writer, cover artist. What are yours and why? We'll start off with Mr. Neesman on this. Wow, thanks for putting me on the stop. Um, Winston, uh, once again, uh, sticking with some of the, uh, the modern guys here, there's all stuff in the last, you know, eight years or so. I don't think that there's anyone more than Steve Niles that, that has, uh, um, really stepped up in the, in the horror genre in, in comics in the last, uh, in the last decade. Uh, he's kind of a hit or miss guy with me in a lot of stuff. Um, uh, actually, just read Savage today, which uh, which came out, and uh, and he was uh, a co-plotter on with uh, with Jeff Frank, who uh, who, who did the uh, the scripting with uh, with Dan Wickline. Uh, but you look at stuff like Thirty Days at Night and the Cal McDonald stuff. Um, oh gosh, um, some of the other uh, Steve. Uh, isn't he doing a, a Simon Dark? That's a, another one, but. Steve Niles is all over the place doing uh, all sorts of, of horror stuff. Really, kind of uh, uh, was one of the one of the guys that redefined vampire comics with with Thirty Days a Night. So yeah, you got you got to say Steve Niles these mm-hmm. days, and Robert yeah. Kirkman with the uh, uh, with Walking Dead would be two guys that that say modern wise are you know definitely redefining horror comics. How about in terms of uh, the art the art side of things? Who do you like? Write some. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, mm. you, you got to go right to the right to the well on that one. I mean, he's yep. he's the guy. You know, I mean, there's 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 all the great EC guys. I mean, you know, who's gonna pick any, p- pick any of the EC guys? Yeah, and, Jack Davis was my gonna be my yeah. Vote. That's yeah. odd that you would say Jack Davis because he's not known primarily for horror. Yeah, but he was part of the EC crew though. He oh never- yeah, and he was fantastic at it, but. I mean, part of it is probably because I love. I mean, Will Elder and Jack Davis and those guys obviously also did other non-horror stuff too. Sure, but so yeah. I, I'm more, I have fondness for them probably because I know them better. But hell yeah, it's really odd. Guys like Jack Davis and uh, John Severin, who were really jack of all trades, master of all. They they could do horror. They could do humor. Whenever I see a serious attempt at storytelling by either one, like Jack Davis. Especially John Severin. I, I, I sometimes, I'm waiting for the laugh because I, I know their work from Cracked and Mad and, and you're waiting for that, the pratfall or the, or the joke and it never comes in the horror stories. So it's just a little bit disconcerting to see them tackle other genres, but they do it just as well as, as their other stuff. That's what I think makes it so effective though, right? Is that it could be. Yeah. You, you think it's going to be kind of funny and it's it's all of a sudden just as, as macabre as some of the other easy guys you know like the the one uh jack davis story he did and uh i forget the name of it but i read the story much later than i encountered his mad stuff so there's one part in the story where a man is literally hacking a woman to pieces with an axe and i was like oh my god it, it just it knocked me on my ass because you do not expect to see that from jack davis guy's a master zach 
for the writer, I guess, I kind of, not that I've read a lot of his stuff prolifically or anything like that, but uh, Archie Goodwin, for all of his yeah. contributions to Eerie and Creepy and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's probably not a name that pops to a lot of people's minds, but he wrote so many of those stories um, that it's just, it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to not, to not think of him right away. It's funny because you always hear you always hear people talk about Archie Goodwin as just being the nicest guy in yeah. the comics industry. <laughs> I've never he's one of those guys that I've never ever ever heard uh, a crossword spoken of. People anyone that ever worked with Archie Goodwin always seemed to have nothing but great things to say about him. Yeah, you're right. And then on the art side, the, it's just the go-to guy for me for just about everything, which is Steve Ditko. He did a lot of great stuff for Charlton. He did some stuff for Marvel, but my favorite. Ditko work anywhere is his work that he did for Eerie and Creepy. The, the ink wash stuff that he did is just phenomenal. It's it's just so beautiful and it's so painstakingly done and it's just it's just incredible. Uh, the first the first time I got a look at it, like I just I seriously sat and poured over every page for about five minutes a page without reading a single word of what was on there and just looking at the art and just taking it. It's uh oh. <laughs> Tom, Tom, man down. Yeah, I Tom fell microphone. off the seat. <laughs> Zach, have you ever read any of Ditko's uh, Carlton stuff? Yeah, a, a fair amount of it, and I have uh, I have quite a few issues of like many ghosts of Doctor Graves and right. uh, ghostly tales or haunts or whatever it was called. Yeah. I wish they would rep- reprint that stuff in affordable editions. I guess the yeah. guy that that owns the rights to all the Charlton stuff, I I think it's AGC Comics. When, whenever, whenever he does collections, they're like 128 pages for 40 bucks. Like who that? Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah and and they're black and white. And they're very much like the original Charlton comics. They're very cheaply printed, and he charges an arm and a leg for them. And that Ditko yeah. stuff should really be seen because it's yeah. just, it's gorgeous. And so the truth, there's a lot of it out there at cons if you're looking for it, and some of it you can get for a pretty reasonable price. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're looking at the right places, you can get those you can get those single issues of the ghostly haunts or ghostly tales. Relatively cheaply. Fairly cheap, right. About 20 years ago, you can get them for basically nothing, but recently, horror and war comics have gone up a lot. Yeah, although I have to say, though, I did luck out, though, this year at Wizard Chicago. I got about a 15-issue run of Ghostly Tales for, like, 30 bucks. Awesome. So, so I was really pleased with that. Mr. Caters. Uh, I always end up thinking about, uh, whenever I think of the art side, I always think of either... And it seems kind of weird. I think of Joe Orlando only because he drew all those framing sequences, The House of Mystery, mm-hmm. which was one of those, uh, one of the old horror books that I would go back and and get issues of. So I, there were so many great artists within each one of those issues. But I always remember the sequences with uh, with Kane because they were like the they were the thread that sort of tied all those issues together. So I always think of his style with it, which is sort of like a like a funny style to think of it. And then it also makes me think of, oh, this is more of a tangent, but it makes me think of like uh, Ser- uh, Sergio Aragones, because he did all those House of Mystery, like funny little uh, art strips oh. in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, that was like the other constant in all those uh, old horror books that I read. And uh, Frank Frazetta, you know. I, oh, yeah, uh, very just like Just like for all those great uh, those great painted images that, you know, to say that he's just horror would obviously not reflect everything he's done but he's one of the people i think of whenever i think of uh of horror stuff just because he's done so many you know uh iconic if you would call them sort of horror paintings 
I'm sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. And writing wise, I don't read any of the words in them, so I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess Kirkman, maybe. Yeah. I always think of a writer that would do it, but uh, I don't know. I, I maybe I, I'd say Steve Niles. Yeah. Or probably Kirkman. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mr. Wood. Are we all in agreement? I think so. Yeah. yeah. August. Contemporary, August. yes. He's very yeah, good. All right. So uh, the two contemporary guys, I, I would say, well, first, again, a, a, just a running theme here tonight, a shout-out to Mignola, I guess, writer and artist, because um, obviously I think he kind of stands alone. But the two artists, I think, doing stuff now, that um, Ben Templesmith, um, again, you know, he, he obviously is um, – Fell, I wouldn't say is a horror book per se, but but between what Temple Smith did with Fell and and what he what he did, uh, or I guess with Thirty Days and Night, I mean that's to me he just he he's the guy that's in the business now that I think uh, can just really draw just some absolutely terrifying images. Um, and then the other guy is kind of maybe I guess a little uh, a little surprising, and that's uh, that's Tony Moore. Um, and and again, I mean if you look at some of the stuff he's done, even even the Exterminator stuff. Um, much like some of the classic EC guys, like a Jack Davis, he he his stuff almost can look cartoony, but yet it it still can be very very frightening and uh, and very graphic. So um, I, I don't think I've ever seen an image from him um, in in any of his books, whether it be you know Fear Agent or Exterminators or you know the very early uh, Walking Dead issues that I think did get the job done. So, um, but I think if 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 we're sticking with the artist, I mean all time, I think you have to go to some of those EC guys again. Um, you know the the tales from the crypt stuff, um, and again that was you know a bunch of different guys. I mean Wally Wood did covers for them. Um, you know uh, Will Elder, uh, George Evans. You know that uh, I guess Graham Ingalls did a bunch. So it's hard. You know those EC guys. It's hard to kind of separate them. I mean because it's I just think of it as a collected work. But but uh, it's kind of you know take your pick. They all have very distinctive styles. But but I mean to me those are the penultimate. You know or the ultimate if you will horror comics. Um, as far as writers, uh, yeah, it's. Hmm. I guess yeah, I'd have to throw one in for for Kirkman. Obviously, I think Walking Dead is probably the the only you know horror book that I I uh, I think would fit today that that I think is a a, gr- a really well written book. Um, I guess I'll throw in a uh, a, a little nod to uh, Joe Hill, uh, who does Lock and Key. So he, he's. I mean, obviously, that's we haven't seen a lot from him, but but what we have seen has been spot on, and and I think he's definitely got the. Uh, uh, he's definitely got the skills. So, yeah, I think we're going to see more. Hmm. Well, as far as art goes, my list of favorite horror artists is is a mile long. Uh, Ralph Reese, Mike Plug is fantastic. Wally Wood, Alex Toth, Gene Colan. Each one is a master in their own right. But there's one man who, in my opinion, stands way above the rest, and that's the tragic figure of Tom Sutton. I don't think there was ever an artist that had a grasp on what makes people shake and 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 afraid like like Tom Sutton. He he would. It, it's it's hard to put into words. It's more like a gut feeling that you got from his art. It was it was creepy. It was raw. It was gritty, and and he he knew how to push your eyes in a certain direction. He manipulated the, the the viewer like like no one else. I love Tom Sutton stuff, and then Wrightson and 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 uh, Al Williamson and uh, the even the Warren guys, like uh, you know Gray Morrow early on in the Warren run and Reed Crandall. There, there's there's a bazillion guys, but th- for me, Tom Sutton is is the man on top. And writing, I'd have to go with Mr. Gerber. Mm. It, it's a close 
run between Archie Goodwin, who did a fantastic job on the Warren books, and Steve Gerber. But Gerber kind of leavened the, the terror with social commentary and humor and drama and, and tirades against religion and politics and, and uh, social interaction. Gerber was way ahead of his time. I don't think the medium has caught up to Gerber yet. In terms, in terms of everything he's he's done for it, and uh, God rest his soul. But yeah, Steve Gerber is the man. I got to give you props for Tom Sutton. I'm just looking at his uh, his biography here. He's freaking written. He's illustrated a lot of freaking. Um, he's been around the block. He worked for comics, man. Yeah, yeah. He worked for uh, Charlton and and Skywald and Warren. The, the guy's been everywhere. Mm-hmm. And just uh, if there was ever an artist that encapsulates the term Lovecraftian, it's Tom Sutton. He could creep you out a million different ways. And I can't forget Pat Boyette. He's another favorite. I love Pat Boyette stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to pinpoint just one because there's so many guys out there that do it really, really well. So, well, uh, let's see what the, the dudes on the forum had to say. Uh, backwards Dave, Alan Moore, Rick Veach for Swamp Thing. And... I know Mr. Wood is going to cringe at the mention of Rick Veach, but in, <laughs> in, in my opinion, Rick Veach's run on Swamp Thing is every bit as, as good as Alan Moore's. Uh, he likes Steve Niles. He really enjoyed Epilogue. Bernie Wrightson, he's always enjoyed looking at his art, but for some reason I can't say enough good about his recent work on Dead She Said. Ben Templesmith, he uses Shadow and the Reader's Imagination to film the blanks very well. We have a couple of votes for Bernie Wrightson again. Richard Corbin. Damn, I have another one I forgot. There you go. Honorable <laughs> mentions to... Corbin's yeah. amazing. Honorable mentions. Up. I did screw up. I always screw up. <laughs> Honorable mentions to Charles Burns, Steve Bissett, another one. John Totalbin, Mike Plug, Steve Ditko for his work on the pre-Marvel horror titles, Graham Gasly Ingalls, and the whole EC crew. So, uh, yeah, for for how many readers there are out there, there's different opinions on, on who does it the best. And every one of them is equally valid. There's there's an amazing diversity some of approach. Some are less valid than others, but... No, there's you, not. There, there, there's, have, you met, have you met some of these people? Yeah. <laughs> the professionals, you mean? Sad. I've met a lot of them. No, I mean the people with opinions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't trust All right. Them with, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust them with a plant. <laughs> favorite publisher of horror comics what made them stand out among other publishers wow Next. what a what a difficult question no really oh ec he's one of these guys with the, the that uh with an opinion wow <laughs> see see i'd have to part ways with you on that one all right really? let's go yeah for that would have been my choice too easily for my money jim warren Warren Publications, number one publisher of horror comics ever. You're a creepy man, huh? I'm an eerie man. Oh, I I I, man. Lo- I love creepy, but eerie. Oh man, Vampirella, just all the characters that came yeah, through. But that, e- yeah, but that that stuff just came along, you know, in the in the remains of EC. Oh sure, yeah. well that, that was the original uh, plan. Jim Warren wanted to reunite, and he did early on. With um, Ditko, well, not so much Ditko, but Gene Col- Colan, Alex Toth, Neil Adams, Steve Ditko, Gray Morrow, Johnny Craig. But Jim Warren didn't pay page rates for shit, and, and the original guys kind of bowed out, and that's when all the Filipino guys came in. 
You- because it, it went from being your standard anthology horror series that had your central horror host, in each case Cousin Eerie and, and Uncle Creepy. But then later on, they started to do serialized stories like Dax the Warrior, Hunter, Shrek, the Spook. That's, have you ever read? That's what's killing me about these eerie reprint volumes that are coming out. The, the real gravy, the good stuff is not going to kick in until about five volumes down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know how I feel about the Filipino dudes. True, <laughs> true. We've talked about that before. Oh, yeah. Vince oh. loves Filip- Filipino men, and he is a creepy <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, you heard him the, saying himself. I do. Esteban Mor- Moroto, that guy's a, a freaking god. The, the ability to render that he had was uncanny. Alfredo Alcala, you can go down the list. Those guys are amazing. And Jim Warren had them all until, until the end. Well, Until they realized they could get actually get paid for the work? Yeah, well, that's the thing. They went to Marvel and DC, and Jim did not like it. Hair trigger Jim. Zach, favorite publisher? Uh, well, for as much as I love the Warren stuff, I have to go with the EC books. You demand. I'm out. It, it, I'll vote it. it. The, the only reason, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, and, I, and I'm with you all the way, but the only reason I choose... EC over Warren is just the simple fact that EC, sort of like Chris said, it was the trailblazer for it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of those EC books, not just EC, but, you know, some of the other books that, you know, basically, you know, sparked off all that business with, uh, Christ, with, uh, with the <laughs> comics code, with the comics code and all that, and all that nonsense. And it, it's hard, it's hard to overlook that. And, and there's, there's all, there's all the amazing artists, you know, like the Wally Woods, um, who, who went along with EC and you know helped build that company and and create you know the the horror genre at least for comics. So uh, I got to go EC. Yeah, and I'm sure Tom's going to say the same thing, right? No, I'm going to go with Warren. Yes. Yeah, uh, just uh, you guys are a bunch of sucker bitches. Contrarian. <laughs> contrarian. Uh, Coming from a standard four color comics diet. As I, as I did when I was a kid, Warren was the best of both worlds to me. It had the recurring characters that we were used to in the comics, the, the Marvel and the DC stuff, but it also had that very forbidden adult content where there'd be nudity and gore. <coughs> and as a kid, seeing that stuff in comic format was very exciting. I used to have to sneak a lot of those books past my mom when I was a kid, especially Vampirella. You know, because there was boobies in it. And the, secret place. <laughs> and, uh, oh, come on. Jose, have you ever seen Jose Gonzalez's Vampirella? Uh, you, you need to do I, some searches, my that friend. I've ever read Vampirella. Oh, good. It, you, we like to think that Frank Cho and Art Adams are very adept at drawing the female form. Do Look at Gonzalez's stuff, and, and you could see where a lot of that comes from. Amazing draftsman. I'm a Palo Serpieri man myself. Oh, you like Druna? Oh, hell yeah. Big old booty Druna. That's right, dude. <laughs> Chunk of the trunk. <laughs> All right, this is down. Yeah, I'm ran again. So what? I spend three fucking dollars on a Mighty Avengers comic thinking I'm going to get a story. And what do I get? A half-assed thing where Captain Marvel is doing nothing. And, and the other Marvel kids it's just Marvel Boy is just sitting there, just staring. I want my money's worth. Comics are too expensive to be bullshitting. They need to stop that shit. 
later. Fuck it. Alright, let's out again. I read the the CBR thing, and, and then I see Jay-Z Jones can't finish seven issues. I mean, and then they got Carlos Pachinko, and he's two artists, and you can't do seven fucking issues of a book, and you got two artists. What is DC doing? Marvel does the same bullshit, too. What is up with artists today that can't do a monthly book? And it's only seven issues. The art ain't that fucking good that you can't finish a book. You can't do a monthly. What is the deal? It's not digital art. What are they doing? Something got to change. Man. Something got to fucking change. This is too much. And it's not worth the wait. That's bullshit. It ain't never worth the wait. I don't care. That shit can get up and run around in circles and have gold on it. It still ain't worth the wait. All right, question number four. Which works better for horror comics? Recurring characters with a continuing narrative or the horror host anthology format? Who came up with this question? This is one of mine. I want to answer. I want to answer. (laughs) Let's let Chris answer. No, Tom hasn't gone first yet. All right, go ahead, Tom. Uh, I almost I I, I kind of prefer the anthology only for the the way that anytime you introduce characters you can kill them by the end right of that story <laughs> and like the as much as I enjoy enjoy Swamp Thing and I recognize its horror characteristics the fact that you're following one character for a very long time it it develops the same sort of tropes that superhero comics have and that you know the Swamp Thing is going to be there you know certain characters are going to be there because that sort of becomes the the thread that they're building the stories on. You can't toss aside... You can't have someone run in and uh, chop up the Swamp Thing's girlfriend, you know, suddenly halfway through the issue for shock value, because that's not the type of story they're really telling at that point. There can be horror characteristics, but, you know, you look at uh, an anthology title, and everyone that you see by page one could be dead by page 12, and that's fine, because... You know, bring on the next story. You, you can do whatever you want to them. So, like from a pure, just structure of just pure horror, I think uh, the anthology almost works a little bit better. Good answer, Zach. Yeah, I've got to go with Tom for basically all the exact same reasons. the The only time that I think that uh, you know continuing characters or an ongoing story really works is if there's a specific story you're trying to tell. You know, like you know in the case. This is obviously not comics necessarily, but you know, like with Stephen King books, you know, it's a very long story that's not an anthology. But there's he's making a specific point with specific characters and putting them in specific situations. Like in those instances, if you're going to do that with a comic, then okay. But if you just want to tell horror stories, then go the anthology route. And if you want recurring characters, then have the host. You know, like Uncle Creepy. Um, that, the, the anthology is absolutely absolutely the way to go. And let's not forget about the DC characters, which we haven't mentioned yet, mm-hmm. like House of Secrets, House of Mystery, you had Kate and Abel, you had the Fates. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. So th- that mechanic works really well for horror. But I have to say, I like the ongoing narratives, the the like the Warren books. I, I like big stories. I like to know my characters before they die. The more information for me, the better. So I, I like those serialized horror tales. What, did say- you answer? Uh, I did not, and uh, I'm going to uh, go with the anthology as well. 
I think I prefer to read these days. Like if I think of the horror books that I'm reading now, um, they're recurring stories, and obviously Walking Dead, and you know, would be the the one I think probably is the most popular right now. And obviously that that kind of belies that. But I think what Tom touched on is the key, which is when I read Walking Dead, it's never I never find it terrifying or even you know really frightening. It's just a, a good story that happens to have undead in it. Whereas if we're really talking horror and the ability to induce you know some sense of fear or at least uh, you know come across as a, a sort of a, a scary severe situation, I think the the anecdotes are, are much much more effective that way. Because as you said, I mean, really anything and everything can happen to those characters from you know the first panel to the end of the book. It just doesn't matter. And I'll go both um, with uh, God. You're still a pussy. Come on. <laughs> Damn Pick it, one. Damn you, Caters. Pick um, one. My, my, fa- my favorite horror comic on the shelves right now is House of Mystery. And it really does an interesting job of doing both of those. You have you know ongoing characters that go from issue to issue that you get to know and follow an overarching story. But then they have these great vignettes that are anthology style. That's my favorite, not just my favorite horror comic on the shelves. It's probably one of my favorite comics out right now. And it does a little bit of both, which I, I, I like because it, it really does play on the strengths of both of those. So. Well, I also think that in that case, I think it's it's a mix of horror and, and mystery, really. Yes. I mean, I think when you start dealing with mystery, then you start having more of a necessity to, to tie things in a, in a line together. It's harder to build a long mystery story without having characters reappear, you know, Again and again. Uh, yeah, and, that, that, and that's part of they have the mystery, but then they use these little horror vignettes to tie like it a, together. Yeah. It's like a house of mystery. <laughs> an entire house. Holy sh- Dude. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like an, wow. It's like I'm pitching it. Listen, it's not. I just, it's a house I just, of mystery. I, I I get it now. Thank you, Tom. Every yeah. week well, you do this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the opinion on the forum is overwhelmingly in favor of the anthology format. Big surprise. This is uh, this is really settling. What, what we decide is the correct answer is how horror people should approach the rest of your careers, right? <laughs> we are the, the decision makers for all of comics. Yes. Right. <laughs> you should call yourselves 11 o'clock decisions. The grain yeah, arb- this is where you decide. The arbiters. Okay. What here's a question by our good buddy Templar from the UK. What are some good trades omnibuy for those new to the genre? Ooh ooh ooh. Go go go. All right, well, start and finish with well not finish, but start with all the EC archives which have been released <laughs> in the last what uh, two years or so? It's been two or three years, right? They've been coming out yeah, pretty much every month or two. Yeah. Right, the revamped ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I mean, they really run the gamut. Um you can get them on in-stock trades, Zach, and a little plug for you guys. Never heard um, of I'm them. Looking, <laughs> you can get pretty much any one of them for uh, 30% off the cover price. And uh, they're badass. I bought a bunch at the last Wild Pig sale. And uh, they're beautiful to look at, really well put together. I just don't think it gets any better than that. So it's, I think it's 24 stories usually per per collection. And uh, it's definitely worth the money. I mean, you're talking about 35 bucks for 24 classic horror books. It's awesome. Probably or- scientists start on fire, too. Guaranteed <laughs> scientists starts on fire, if you're really adventurous, you can seek out Russ Cochran's original 
printings of the EC library in the oversized black and white format where you can see every delicious line laid down by those artists. They're probably quite pricey at this point, but well worth the investment. So mm -hmm. check those out. Russ Cochran's EC library. Great stuff. I would have to say, big surprise, to seek out the Dark Horse reprints of Creepy and Eerie first. And while you're at it, if you're looking for cost-effective versions of uh, great horror comics, you can pick up some of the Marvel Essentials. There's an Essential Man thing, an Essential Tales of the Zombie, Essential Marvel, Marvel Horror, which reprints a lot of the Son of Satan stuff. The second volume of which was released today, <laughs> which reprints a bunch of the old Brother Voodoo stories. Uh, what else? The EC library is great, as Wood said. You, you can't go wrong with that. There's a ton of uh, budget-priced horror books out there. Um, I don't know the publisher, but the Big Book of Zombie Comics, I'm probably getting the name wrong, came out today. It's a companion volume to the, the Big Book of Crime Comics and Big Book of War Stories. Have you seen these editions? They're like 17.95, Huge honking book. They have to be at least 400 pages. The zombie one came out today, and I'll bet my life that that contains some of the pre-code horror comics that were reprinted in Myron Fass's Eerie Publications and early Atlas horror stories. It's great stuff. Yeah, that, that's a, a given. Seek that out. Zach, do you know who published that? No, actually not off the top of my head. I do not. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it came out today. I know who published it. It's called The Mammoth Book of Zombie Comics, and it's published by Running Press. It came out on October 27th of this year. It's 480 pages, and if you go to Amazon.com, you can get it for $13.46. Lots of zombie goodness in those pages. And something we talked about on the forum a while back, the book is called Zombie Factory, 27 Tales of Bizarre Comics Madness from Beyond the Tomb. It's published by IDMN Productions, 196 pages. Amazon has it for eighteen ninety nine, And this volume definitely reprints some of the pre-code horror tales Myron Fast cobbled together for his eerie publications titles, Notably, Tales from the Tomb, Tales of Voodoo, The Witch's Tales, and Terror Tales. And this is just gut-wrenching horror comics from the time when the comics code was non-existent. So there are no holes barred in this stuff. It is fantastic. Classic horror comics. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. Let's get back to the show. Who else? Uh, I would say... Uh, another option besides the essentials is the uh, the showcase presents the House of Mystery. Which right, I believe the awesome. first two volumes are out, which are really cheap black and white, and just uh, an incredible mix of artists that you're going to get in there. I mean, you're going to get uh, a you know you have of course Joe Orlando doing the uh, the framing sequences, but you'll have Neil Adams covers to them. You'll have uh, there's the occasional Kirby story mixed in, you know, <laughs> Tino. It's it, it's like it's a mix of everyone sort of worked their way through the uh, the horror books at some point. Uh, right, the, right. Tino so. artists. So it, you, just flipping through it, you'll see guys like Toth, and then you'll see a complete switch to just a completely different style within the same issue. So I mean, they're great black and white art books. You know, if you're a big art fan, you'll see just so many different styles 
all within one, you know, black and white volume. Yeah. I love you know, it. I think it's great. I'm so glad that they reprinted the Sergio pages too. With those. Yeah, it, it's the whole tone. It, it sets yeah. the whole tone for those issues. Mr. Neesman. Oh, uh, you guys have covered uh, a lot of them. Really looking forward to picking up the uh, uh, Tomb of Dracula omnibus. Uh, actually, just ordered that through in stock trades. So, um, gosh, come on, any of the, any of come the on. Well, you guys took all the good ones. Come on, uh, no, you, you, you're forgetting one, and and Jim N brings it up. Charles Burns's Black Hole, which oh. is kind of a collection. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He, sure. Yeah. He he cites Saga of the Swamp Thing, House on the Borderland by Richard Corbin, which is great, and also brings up Warren's Creepy and Eerie. And he brings up Hellblazer, which is a character we're forgetting. I would think that Hellblazer by now is the longest running horror title with Over with a years. right with a, a single character featuring one single character. I guess. Yeah. I mean, do you can? I guess. Yeah. I guess it's true. I don't. I guess I don't think of that as horror, but I guess. Oh, I it's guess totally it's, horror. Uh, book, sure. Yeah. It goes. It goes in and out. I mean, it, dep- it like, depends yeah. on his. It's like it's like Swamp Thing. It's like you can pick up an issue. There are issues of Swamp Thing that if you picked it up. They're not horror issues, mm-hmm. you know. There's the, yeah. the yeah. I mean, there's the, you're not not every single one's going to be what I would consider, you know, a horror story. Are there horror right. stories in Swamp Thing? Yes. Yeah. Are there horror stories in Hellblazer? Yeah, there's a lot of them, but mm-hmm. it's not. You could pick up one that's not. So it, it's sort of like a weird thing where it goes in and out. I mean, it's great in and of its own right. I mean that it's been a fantastic book for a very long time, but. I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, if someone said, what horror book should I pick up? I wouldn't say, go pick up the next issue of Hellblazer, because I don't really know what, you know, what's going to happen. It's going to be a great story, but I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily be a horror story. You know, it's like that Swamp Thing issue where his girlfriend eats that fruit came off of him. Yeah, it's like an acid trip. I mean, that's not a horror story. I mean, so it's, it's sort of weird sometimes to label... The, the books that have uh, these reoccurring characters. Mm. It doesn't quite work out that way sometimes. Yeah. It That's a cool uh, issue, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great issue. Great story. Uh, just taking a look here at the question, I guess he, he says good trades are omnibus, so he probably is talking about... We haven't really talked about any of the modern collected stuff, so <clears throat> probably give a shout-out to... Uh, I, I mentioned it a bit earlier, the, uh, the Hellboy Library Edition. That's a great mm-hmm. trade. Really well put together. And um, also the... Uh, the Walking Dead, you know, uh, th- those deluxe hardcovers, I think, what are the three of them now? Those are fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, I get that in, in monthly I've form. Got, but I've got the, the big old uh, deluxe version. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the ones that collect what, like, uh, how many issues? No, I got, I, I got the one that's like the uh, the absolute of the yeah, first 20, 24 issues. Yeah, okay, it's like 24 yeah. issues or something. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention Queen and Country. <laughs> <laughs> the, the horror of modern politics and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know there, there there was there was a um, just a Rucka's little... a great horror writer <laughs> <laughs> of course if he tried if he tried he, just, he hasn't done it yet yeah. you know there there was and a cool uh, there was a cool four issue uh, series that came out of Dark Horse earlier this year that I hope they uh, I hope they put into trade and it was uh pigeons from hell and it yeah. was uh based on oh gosh well the, the, this was scripted by uh, uh joe wansdale uh but nathan fox's art is the reason to get this but it's uh based on the robert e howard pigeons from hell really creepy 
book, but it's it, Nathan Fox's art is awesome. Scotty uh, um, Scotty Young kind of turned us all mm-hmm. onto him, and uh, and is a big fan. But check that out. I I don't know if it's been announced in in trade yet, but it was it was very good, very creepy. Yeah, I think last month it was offered. Good, good, yeah. good, good. Totally worth did it. Did you accept that offer? I did. It's very Paul Popish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Um, I even like it a little bit more than than, than Pope stuff in, in places. It got a little. Um, I don't want to call it muddy. The storytelling got a little a little rough in places where you didn't know what was going on. But that may have also kind of added to the claustrophobia of the situation. So it may have been intentional. But uh, no, it was uh, highly recommended. All right, moving on. More effective for the horror genre, black and white or color? I think that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah. Sounds like someone wants me to say black and white. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> well, I'd say black and white. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I really just, I, I can't, I'd say. Depends. I, depends, yeah, I don't. You mentioned the essentials, and and I think they're, they're great at times, and I know a lot of people have said that, um, especially the Tomb of Dracula and some of the, the other horror-based essentials are, perfect for it but i i personally just have I, I i think if it was intended for color it should be in color if it was intended for black and white it should be in black and white so to me that question is i don't really don't have a yeah but i don't i think intended for i think the term intended is loaded i mean i don't know if uh the guy who's penciled the the horror story intended someone to uh, slop over all the pencil work with, yeah, with sure. bad coloring. Sure. I mean that. I mean, intended by whom would be the question I would you know that I would ask. Right. In, well, in I guess case. I look at it like this. I mean, my perspective is much like bad you know colorized TV back in the. I mean, if if you look at the comic as released being the intended finished form, then that's kind of what I mean. In other words, if if it was a color comic when they released it, then I want to see it in color. If it was black and white when it was released then give me the black and white and don't try and colorize it that's kind of mm. stand on it yeah. well g- going back that, to war that drives me insane but <laughs> why <laughs> it, it it because because of what i said earlier about the intended it's like there's so many processes between the artists who are creating it and when the book comes out that i don't know how you can pin down what the intended outcome is at at any point it's like if I take a look at a Jonah Hex black and white book and it looks better to me in black and white than in the color, I don't necessarily think, well, the color is the way it was intended, so that's how I should look at it. Part of me also thinks that the artists who are working on it really intended it to look like how it is in the black and white as opposed to how it looks in the color. I mean, it's just a matter of... Your, your yeah, it's, it's part, cause then, yeah, right, because obviously when you're talking about comics, obviously then you could say, well... How many times have we heard horror stories of pencilers, and you know, you see the pencils, and then you see the how how you know someone like Vince Coletta? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of like saying, yeah, it's it's like a matter of like parsing where you want to like draw sure. the line as far as intended or, or not. And it's somewhat hypocritical because I as I as I say that I think about the fact that the EC archives obviously were the versions that I'm that I own are were, re, were recolored. Um, using modern coloring, so obviously, theoretically, that's not the original version, right? I mean, it, it's quote unquote improved, if you will, and, and you know the process was different. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of 
I, that's not really theoretically I should be against seeing that version. I'd want to see the original August four color version. So I see your point. I just uh, for for me, it's kind of the essentials have just never really done it for me. I, I just prefer to see them in color. And I could see it more with the the superhero stuff, where I think the vibrant color is probably really more intrinsically part of the whole experience, you know, as opposed to the Flash without the red suit is missing something. Now, you know, Dracula being in a purple room, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that really affects <laughs> my, my enjoyment. You know, it, it also depends on, I think it depends a lot on the book. And as I'm talking, I have my eyes closed like I'm concentrating. <laughs> it's weird. Visualized. I, just I, was, I just noticed I was doing that. Well, it always goes back to me. For me, anyway, with Warren. Of course, no, that's right, Vince. It always does go back, <laughs> to, you. back to you. Creepy no, man. <laughs> because when Filipino you man. L- look at the Filipino artists. <laughs> it, no, really. Look at the, that art. And would you want to see that art in color? Now, for example, there was a point in the publishing history but, of Warren where guess, Jim Warren thought it was a good idea. <laughs> no, listen, to put color supplements in the middle of each magazines. Mm-hmm. And now those the artists were working from an approach where they didn't think their art was going to be colored. So it's a different mindset when you're working for color and when you're working for black and white. You you add more when it's in, when the the output is going to be black and white and you hold back a little bit and let the color do it for obviously when, it, when it's color printing now the filipino artists did it business as usual they always they did the work like they thought it was intended for color for excuse me for black and white and then when jim had them colored it didn't work it was muddy there was just too much going on it was very distracting and he abandoned it for whatever reason i'm, I'm sure it was not only monetary reasons but i don't think the fan reaction was all that great to the color work, so he he, he let it go. But there's some things that, that work very well in color, and I don't think Eerie and Creepy and those type magazines were one of them. You know, I, I, th- I think in the, in the hands of a very good colorist, just about anything can work. It's, I mean, yeah, you... I don't know. Yeah. I, no, I, I, think I think it's just think, a matter of... Well, I think it's a matter of just judging whatever it is you have in your hand from an illustration standpoint you add more when it's when you you know it's going to be black and white which is how they worked there's cross hatching there's stipple there's things you can do to enhance the drawing in black and white and then when you take that and color it it's it's overload it's too much you lose a lot of the the in, intended impact because you're adding something which was never intended to be added well I, is, I think i think that we think of of coloring as as well, adding a tremendous amount of color. I, there are colorists out there that can be very subtle, that they can use, you know, subdued and muted color palettes that don't overpower the work. So I think that, you know, in, in the hands of... It's one of the things I love about Dave Stewart is that he doesn't over-color pages. Uh, he has, He just has a sense of, you know, how much... You know, how how vivid the color palette should be. Um, right. So I, I know he, I know what you're saying, but I think there are a lot of things out there that are are poorly colored. They're 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 too vivid. They're too you know too pop color. So right. you know I, I I love seeing colors use you know a nice subdued and you know different uh, um, different color palettes to uh you know not you know hit us over the head with stuff. So I think it depends on the colorist. Well, but in Dave Stewart's case, when he was receiving pages from Carrie Nord, 
on Conan, Nord knew that the book was going to be printed in color, so he held back. But when I, see, that's just what I'm saying. There, when when the original thrust is black and white, color is they just muddy it, in my opinion. It's a different mindset. I don't know. I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's it's all the intent. But then you have Richard Corbin that totally shoots my theory to hell. Who can make anything look good in color? So I feel like we're having a legal argument where we're discussing intent. Like, who did he intend to do this? Okay, or premeditated. Was this Zach, coloring? You, was this poor coloring premeditated? What do you think, Zach? Black and white or color? Uh, black and white. I okay. Mean, color, color works if it's someone you know, like like Chris said with with the Dave Stewart. Like, take his work on the Goon. Goon isn't necessarily a straight horror book, but it has you know a horror feel to to lots of parts of it. So I think when you take something like that, I think it works perfectly. Uh, because it's, I mean, the relationship is there between you know the artist and the color, and, and everything flows nicely, and it gives you a horror type feel. But if you're just drawing a horror book, or if you're if you're producing a horror book, I guess is a better way to put it, then black and white to me works better because there's so much more you can do with black and white in terms of mood, mm-hmm. uh, at least for a horror comic that you do, that doesn't necessarily come through in color, at least for me. So. You, you can do things like you said with the cross hashing, or you can do you know the ink wash, or you can just do you know lots of blacks and darks and shadows that that may not pop or be as dramatic to the reader if they were in color. So black and white all the way for me. It's not it's not even a question. Well, look at Gene Cohen. Sell it. I'm, I'm seeing with Dracula. <laughs> Gene knew full well that that his work would eventually be printed in color, but he did not alter his work methods at all, and that's why I think. Gene's work is much better in black and white than the original Tomb of Dracula comics as printed for the newsstand. The essential is much truer to what Gene wanted to do. I, I, I thought the color was an intrusion on that, but we'll see with the, with the omnibus. Maybe they've, they've tweaked it a bit to uh, compensate for, for Gene's heavy pencils. Hey, boys, this is Andy. Just wanted to call and uh, thank Chris again. And Sal, of course, too, for the great time at the Windy City Comic Con. Uh, there was three guys that were definitely missed at the show. Uh, but I'm still listening to 7 o'clock comics. Still love you guys. Hopefully next year we'll get to see you in person. So, uh, yeah. Yay, comics. Later. Bye. Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, Swamp Creature Zombies. What are your favorite comic versions of these ca- classic characters? And I should throw this character, this question out because it comes from Mr. Tom Caters. Well, I didn't think I was going to be answering it. So. <laughs> Why don't you answer it first since you're the one who posed the question? Uh, okay. Frankenstein, you know, I really like, um, I, actually, I always really like Frankenstein in superhero books for some reason. <laughs> I think it's always like a great idea to see. Uh, so I, I've enjoyed, uh, I really love the Grant Morrison uh Doug Mankey, Frankenstein, because it was such a like a science fiction thriller with Frankenstein thrown to it, just like a, a crazy idea of having uh, of having Frankenstein in there. Uh, as far as uh, you know, werewolves, um, it, I can't think of any that I would. Uh, you know, Werewolf by Night's probably like the classic uh, one that probably most people are aware of. Vampires, I you know, to be honest. Every time a vampire shows up in a book, I'm just like, oh, God, is Chris Claremont writing this? <laughs> First thought. That guy's got some sort of vampire issue that he's trying to work out, you know, in his mind. 
that's not to say not to say that you know obviously vampires have tremendously interesting things about them that keep that's why they keep being brought up in in fiction but i I've, i always find them kind of like oh god we're gonna have you know the same vampire story we always get as far as swamp things it's gonna be swamp thing uh, you know is my favorite and zombies this is a tough one i uh, I, w- I want to say The Walking Dead immediately, but then part of me thinks like sometimes that the zombies aren't really that big of a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if correct. I would. Yeah. I. I but uh, yeah. Fuck it. I'll say Walking Dead. <laughs> here's a su- here's a <laughs> sub question. Not a dissertation here. I'll just pick one. <laughs> okay. Sub question for you as far as Walking Dead. Which one captured the zombies better, in your opinion, Tony Moore or Charlie Adler? Do I prefer? I mean, uh, I, I guess I'd say Tony Moore, but I think it's unfair to Adler because I think he's done longer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's not bad. I mean, that's not he's he doesn't. It's not like I'm Tony Moore. It's like he is been built to draw zombies. Right. You know, like he draws the best zombies. I mean, can put him up to anybody else, and I Tony Moore is going to be able to hold his own. So it's a little unfair to Adler because I. I think he's pretty good at doing zombies too. You know, he just so happened to immediately follow someone who's incredible at drawing zombies. Yeah. That's the thing. I find it amazing that Charlie Adler has done the the bulk of Walking Dead, but oh, sure. Tony Moore's versions of the zombies were so freaking powerful yeah. that in in my opinion, Adler is still trying to work out of the shadow of Tony Moore. And to, what did Moore do? Seven issues, eight issues? Yeah, six, you know what? Six, seven issues, yeah. Six, yeah. It's just Moore's vision of, of, of those shambling creatures was so overpowering where it's just, that's, not to, again, not to slight Charlie Adler, he's very good, but Moore just defined the book for me. Well, Moore's versions, I also think, are almost, it's almost unsustainable to draw, to, to do that constantly for 53 issues. You know, yeah. that, I mean, that's part of why I, he's, doesn't you know doesn't do it you know who zombies are really good in the walking dead though is the back covers by rathburn by yeah. cliff rathburn those are some pretty awesome back cover zombies i have yeah i always like looking at the back cover and looking at, i mean completely different because obviously it's not in the context of having to tell a story so i mean you can go fucking balls to the wall with uh how you're gonna do it but i mean more more you know draws like the iconic zombie yes yeah. it does so we're we're starting out with Frankenstein, right? Yes, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Can, can, can I go? May, <laughs> Fra- may Frankenstein. I, may I submit my choices? Yes. Just because I know someone will, I've I got like one one Frankenstein in mind, and I know someone would take it. Um, the uh, Wachowskis, Doc Frankenstein. Wow. Really enjoyed that, and maybe one day it'll get finished. <laughs> I, I thought it was a. <laughs> Kind of along the same line as uh, as Morrison's uh, Seven Soldiers Frankenstein, a very uh, very sci-fi um, version of it. You know, futuristic Franken, you know, very intelligent Frankenstein. You know, leader of uh, basically a nation, Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, you know, leader of of you know like a nation, and he's like this total uh, you know badass warlord almost. So yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Doc Frankenstein. Vampires. I like the um, the Eben and Stella stuff from uh, from Thirty Days of Night. Hmm. Now I have never read Thirty Days of Night, but I did see the movie. Or did Evan. they significantly change that ending for the movie? No, it was, because it was almost identical. 
to the book. Really? Yeah. Well, does she become a vampire somewhere along the line? Because the the Eben and Stella series would make me think that somehow she became a vampire. Um, spoilers, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, great movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sal and I had had seen it uh, together, and it's like, is that really how the book ended? And we went back and looked, at it and it's like, yeah, that was that was almost exactly how the uh, how the first thirty days of night ended up. So cool. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the last one? You have uh, swamp creatures. Oh, yeah, swamp thing. Um, <laughs> is there a third swamp creature? <laughs> yes, the heap. <laughs> Don't like forget about the heap. A third one that someone would pick. Uh, Not to rip. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that some heap fan right now is like, "Fuck Tom Caters. He doesn't know <laughs> shit about the heap." But the Kotati. <laughs> uh, and and zombies is that the last one? Yes, zombies are the last one. Triple X zombies. Damn it! Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get in before Wood. Uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing yeah. more exciting than dick eating zombies. You got it, man. That's, that's, Baby that's good. zombies. That's good. None suck. Uh, <laughs> Wood, you want to go? Because it sounds like you're chomping at the bit. Well, I, you got, my thunder's been summarily stolen. Uh, the only one I really have a strong vote for is Frankenstein, and that's it's already been said. I mean, the Seven Soldiers Frankenstein is badass. Okay. One of the best characters uh, I think Morrison's ever ever done. So that's awesome. It's you know, it's my banner. Um, uh, Wolfman, I have no opinion on. I mean, I, the only when I think of Wolfman in, in comics, I mean, the only thing I can think of is Werewolf by Night. So yeah, uh, just say Mike Plug, and you'll be in. You'll uh, be one uh, of the intelligentsia. Yeah, now Tom has Dracula here, but it seems like you guys were talking more general about vampires. If I had to say Dracula, I'd say actually Buffy, because uh, the Dracula characterization in both the TV show and the comic is freaking hilarious. It's awesome. Uh, especially low, the way man, he, low man servants. Yeah, exactly. He, he and Xander have have awesome chemistry, so I'd vote for him. Just in terms of vampires, though, um, you know, in general, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I love vampires, but I don't, when I think of comics, I don't really think of them too much, and maybe I just don't read... I mean, I guess, yeah, the 30 Days and Night stuff I think is probably the best vampire comics I've read. So um, I'd say that. Uh, Swamp Creature, I have no opinion. Never really read much of the man thing, and I've never read Swamp Thing. So Pick the heap, then. Make someone Yeah, I'll take the heap. I'll take the heap. Um, and uh, <laughs> fucking Zombies, Neeson Stole My Thunder, Triple X Zombies, man. I mean, how can you go wrong? <laughs> Porno Zombies, it's just badass. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Crucy. Uh Okay, let's see here. Frankenstein, yeah, I, I have nothing original to say here. It's the Mankey, uh, Morrison, Seven Soldiers, Frankenstein. Uh, Wolfman, I will throw you a curveball. I'll say Merle from The Goon. The Wolfman wow. from The Goon. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just, uh, well, I won't spoil it. Uh, Dracula, <laughs> vampires. Uh, how about uh, Morbius? And I know he's kind of yes. okay. weak, but... Uh, I, he was like the first vampire character that I was really exposed to when I started reading comics. And I was really, really into him for a long time. Like unnaturally into Morbius. It was bizarre. Fifth grade was a bizarre time. So can't go wrong with Gil Kane. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of Bauhaus. Listen to Bauhaus. Yeah. I, I only wore black clothes and just complained about how everyone else was conforming to the standard Dracula. Belly Lugosi's dead. <laughs> Swamp creature. Uh, the goon again. The Boglerks from the goon. I love the wow. from the goon. You yeah. do love the goon, don't you? I do. It's one of my favorite books. Eric Powell is doing an amazing job on that book. If there's anybody not reading it, you should 
drop whatever you're doing and run out and buy it right now. Even if the store is closed, just throw a brick through the window and just take whatever they got out of the goon. <laughs> drop, drop the baby and go steal some goon comics. The views exactly. of guests of, of 11 o'clock comics are not necessarily <laughs> the views of... <laughs> <laughs> Leave a 20 on the counter and then go. Uh, there you go. And then zombies, the the goon zombies again. I love the goon zombies. The, the slack jaws, they're great. Uh, they're, I, I hope you never get in the same room with Eric Powell. You'd be all over him. I know. You should have seen. I met him in Wizard Chicago last year. It was. I have a restraining order. I'm not, I'm not proud, but you know, it is what it is. There you go. <laughs> all right, for Frankenstein, I would have to say John Basima defined the Frankenstein monster for me. Crickets. Okay. Uh, Wolfman. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm absorbing it. Yes. Thinking he did. about will awesome. you be my Frankenstein? <laughs> yeah, any day for the Wolfman, I have to go with Mike Plug on Werewolf by Night. Dracula. Yikes, that's a tough one. Gene Colan or John Basima. Gene Colan's version, I would say, is closer to my heart. John Basima did a fantastic version. He rendered him as the. Austrian is he no Romanian nobleman that he sh- that he is very much uh, uh, very noble and, and classic in his in his uh, countenance great version of Dracula swamp creature Mike Plug for the man thing followed very closely by Beset and Totalman for swamp thing what about the heap the heap is great <laughs> check I'm telling you check out the sky it was a one shot issue by Skywald and then the heap appears in Airboy. For a lot of years, but the Heap is a great character. Shut up, Tom. Um, <laughs> let's see. Just, I want to uh, know more about the Heap. Zombies. I don't know. I don't know about the zombies. I do love Tony Moore's zombies, uh, but uh, and you know, not to. Mm, that's a tough question. Yeah, I'll go with Tony Moore because the the uh, traditional rendition of Simon Garth is done by Pablo Marcos, and I'm not all that hot on Pablo. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with Tony Moore. Uh, he just Fimo. unsubscribed. <laughs> just unsubscribed. <laughs> uh, you know what? We got to move on these pretty quick because we are running out of time. I got oh. go, to go to bed soon. You're not going anywhere. All right. Th- this question <laughs> by Jacob Rusoff. It's a difficult question. On a nuts and bolts tip, what makes oh. for good... <laughs> what makes for good horror in comics? Meaning... What combination of words and art work for the genre and what does not work for the genre? That's a really difficult question. I think we should let one or two of you uh, you folks answer this one and not, not have all five of us because it's... Well, you know, it's really impossible to answer yeah. that because it, it's so subjective. I'll tell you what doesn't work for horror and comics is fumetti, which is not really technically what fumetti is, but as defined by Stan Lee, photo comics are horrible for horror. They just do not work for me. It pulls me out of the, whatever story the, the, the writer's trying to tell by seeing photographs of manipulated people. It, it just does not work. Marvel tried that a bit in the 70s in, in some of their horror magazines, and it just fell flat. So yeah, I would say photo-manipulated comic pages don't work for horror. I got nothing. It's, it's a difficult question. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fred Hembeck you don't, for horror. We're like eight. We're at. There's 16 questions, and this is number eight. Yeah, we're. So, so you want to move? Let, let, let's move on. No, number nine. Hey guys, sorry for interrupting again, but I wanted to alert those who do not frequent our forum 
at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com to drop by whenever you have the chance and take a look at the two treats I've served up for you Halloween tricksters. During this episode, you no doubt heard me mention Erie Publications and Myron Fass. Now, what I've done is I've set up two very large threads featuring cover images from the Erie Publications books and uh, a selection of images from two Australian publishers. But first, before I get ahead of myself, let's take a look at the Erie Publications. Now, the man connected to these books was the notorious, in some circles, Myron Fass. Now, Myron was the equivalent of a vulture in the publishing world. He would carefully watch what other publishers were doing. Publishers like Jim Warren and Bill Gaines. And uh, Myron had a nose for success. Uh, everybody else's but his own. He, he would watch from the sidelines take note of what was working for these publishers and what wasn't. Bill Gaines circumvented the comics code and had an amazing amount of success with Mad Magazine. Jim Warren saw which way the wind was blowing, uh, noticed that horror was starting to take off with the kids, and instigated a line of black and white horror magazines we all know, eerie, creepy, vampirella. So what Fast would do, he would watch and see the success, then he would swoop in and blitz the marketplace with copycat books, blatant impersonations of successful books. Now, when Jim Warren's books hit, Myron Fass flooded the marketplace with a slew of horror-related magazines. Uh, tales of Voodoo, Terror Tales, Horror Tales, Weird, Tales from the Tomb, Witches Tales, uh, magazines that contained very few original stories. They were mostly reprints of pre-code horror comics from the early 50s. And oddly enough, Fass was an illustrator himself, and many of these stories were, were works that he himself had drawn. And he would cobble these things together on the cheap, and some of the stuff was even public domain that he was putting in there, and uh, reaped huge success in the marketplace. At, at one time, he was the most successful publisher in the United States. His magazines were everywhere. When Heavy Metal hit big, Myron Fast published a magazine called Gasm, the illustrated adult science fiction magazine. Uh, he published rock and roll magazines, detective, wrestling magazines, true crime. Uh, during the UFO flap in, in the early to mid-70s, Fast had a, a couple of um, UFO-related magazines on the uh, stands. If there was money to be made, Fast was there. He, he was picking the bones of the other publishers and reaping the rewards from their hard work. He was also a bit of a gun nut. Uh, rumor has it, or legend actually, that he would never be seen without a 44 Magnum around his waist or around his arm. He, he was a gun nut. He always had a gun on him, which was why a lot of his employees would never uh, challenge anything he said because you never knew when you would be uh, ventilated by the man. And, uh, you know, you would even expect to see Dick Ayers within the covers of his horror magazines, Chick Stone, as well as, like I said, work from Fass himself. 
Oddly enough, Fast's business partner was Stanley Harris. Uh, if that name doesn't ring a bell, you obviously don't buy Vamprella because Harris Comics is the current publisher of Vampirella. See, is it odd how that works? It's it's an incestuous little uh, um, industry, the uh, comic book biz. I, uh, but before we move on, I would like to talk about the covers of the Erie Publications books, which was the most unique aspect of the publishing line. Like I said, the interiors were, as you would expect, pre-code horror, black and white, but the covers, uh, if if the Warren covers were forbidden. There, there was. There, there was an undercurrent of the forbidden and, and the very sensual and sexy uh, illustrators, but always tempered by elegance. Frank Vazetta had an elegant way of, of putting paint on a canvas, and Ken Kelly, uh, Gray Morrow, all, all great illustrators, very tasteful illustrators. The Erie Publications covers were anything but tasteful. Uh, if, if the Warren covers had an air of, say, catching your neighbor undressing in the bathroom when you were like 12. You know, it's forbidden, but it's it's not all that nasty. You know, you're getting a little excited. This is pretty cool. The Erie Publications covers were the equivalent of porking your sister on the front porch during a parade. These things were lurid, very, very explicit. There was dismemberment and half-naked women, uh and and the 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 approach to the that the painters had were very different from the Warren artists they would use garish colors psychedelic um surreal imagery just in your face you could not pass by a newsstand that had a uh eerie publications and not and at least not be aware of it because it, it literally jumped off the racks they were so so vibrant and I'll be honest a lot of them were the disgusting they were just nightmarish images and and that's the legacy from the Erie Publications line were were the unbelievably grotesque covers and you can see them all on our well not all of them you can see a nice selection of them on our forum and uh both of these image threads by the way are linked to the very first post of our episode 28. So if you go to the first post towards the bottom, there are two links in red where you can easily access these threads. Now the second thread entitled Australian Horror Magazines features the product of two publishers, Graydown Property Limited and KG Murray Publishing. And as I said, before encountering one of these issues on eBay, the first and only time I've ever encountered these magazines anywhere. Never at a convention. I've never seen uh, any for sale in, in, in all my years of collecting. That, that's what made them so remarkable. The first time I, uh, the only time I encountered them, I contacted the seller and, uh, he had a stack of these things. So I, I bought a, a slew of them at once. And there's very little information within the magazines themselves. There's no publisher's date anywhere. There's no uh, contents page featuring the artists and writers involved. Uh, and that's because, like Myron Fass, what these publishers would do, they would buy stories from existing publishers. Uh, DC, Charlton, Martin Goodman's short-lived uh, Atlas Seaboard, uh, and a lot of the stuff from Weird Tales of the Macabre appeared in these magazines. Myron Fass's Erie Publications, and they also imported stuff from Barcelona. 
from a company called Editorial Vilmar. Within the pages of their magazines, you could expect to see fantastic talent like Walter Simonson, Ernie Cologne, Carlos Pino, Dick Beck, Ogden Whitney, Gray Morrow, Chick Stone, Steve Ditko, Pat Boyette, and writers like Archie Goodwin, Don Glute, Joe Gill. Um, they, 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 the magazines were just a mishmash of styles from, from many different companies. I did manage to find out who did a lot of the covers. A nice chunk of them were done by Australian comic artist Phil Belbin, who unfortunately died in 1993. Um, and like the Warren magazines, the, the, the unique thing about these covers is the typography used. Um, and where Warren had Gaspar Saldino, a big reason for the success of their magazine. The Australian books from these two publishers also featured very distinctive typography on the cover, which um, made it immediately recognizable as something from their respective companies. Huge logo fonts for the for the titles, and just uh, almost graffiti-ish in, in some uh, instances. The titles of the books are, are very distinctive, too. Fearful Forces of the Unknown, Fiends and Demons, Grip of Death, Ghouls from the Grave. And uh, you'll see, if you go into the thread, each cover is nicer than the one before. The amazing caliber of work uh, on these books. And uh, uh, I'm sure that our forum is one of the few places you're going to be able to see these things because they just don't pop up all that often. So uh, jump in, enjoy, and uh, let's get back to the show. Number nine was uh, delivered by Dan C., a.k.a. Papercut. It's a really weird question. Vince's Skype connection is infected by some extra-dimensional virus, more, more so than usual, that is, and turns the four hosts of 11 o'clock comics into various horrific comic archetypes right after the drink roll call. How would you cast any or all of the crew in their new forms? For example, monsters, psychopaths, politicians, etc. And would you sign a petition to make sure they never reverted back to human? Now, before we answer this question, some of the forum members answered this, and there's one, at least for me, that's dead frickin' on. And if my Firefox would operate like it should... Okay, backwards Dave mm -hmm. casts David as the mummy. He's kind of quiet and sneaks up on you casts Chris as Dracula who needs liquid refreshment Wood is Freddy Krueger he's cutting and to the point which I find very appropriate but for me backwards Dave nailed me and I'm loath to admit it but he he cast me as the Wolfman because of the Wolfman's libido that is so perfect for me and tremendous I, I am the freaking Wolfman I don't think any of us could top that, that backwards Dave's efforts no it, it, it's so right on Except David should probably be the Invisible Man, since he's not for this for this episode anyway. Yeah, I, I kind of picture myself as like Grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold the hammer, the hammer as you. <laughs> That's, good. That's very good. <laughs> Grandpa sucks. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. So, <laughs> how do you guys see yourself, Tom? What kind of monster are you? Uh, Frankenstein. No, you're definitely the mad scientist. All right. Yeah. <laughs> why'd you why'd you ask me that? You well, I, I just I just wanted to see what you'd say. 
But you definitely have the smarts to be the man. I meant Doctor. Fra- I did not say Doctor Frankenstein's monster. I said Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice nitpick here. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Wood, what are you? Um, I'm probably uh Patrick Bateman. Yes. What? Yeah. Yes, from America. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Be perfect. You oh, often geez. sit in your office and like yeah, and marvel at other people's beheading. business cards. Yeah, <laughs> beheading associates. Jeez. All right, Zach, who do you think you studio. are? <laughs> and Huey Lewis in the news, of course. Cool. Uh, yep. Boy, uh, who am I? I have no idea. Uh, Leatherface. I'm, I'm definitely a Leatherface because I'm always taking teenagers and locking them up in freezers. And <laughs> I, 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 live in a, I live in a small town, and yeah, that's, that's me. Humor alert. Humor alert. Yes, yeah, humor, right? Okay, <laughs> right. there you go. I'm going to skip over number 10. It's another question from Dan. It's way too involved. All right, 11. Of the horror stories you've read, which scared you the most and you would never want to read it again? And that comes from Azenfist. Uh, Secret Invasion number one. (laughs) Why? Because it doesn't have an ending. Tom. I I don't ever... Maybe it's weird. I mean, I like horror books. I like horror movies, but... I never really get scared by them, like, fundamentally enough to, like, not go back to it. I, hmm. I think that's because, like, my my heart is cold, and I don't, I, I fear nothing, and I don't fear anything. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But because it's, like, entertainment, I, I, I mean, I can't say I've ever read anything that scared me so bad that I wouldn't go back and, and, uh, and read it again. I just don't right. think Same. that way. I'm not wired that way, I guess. I just don't yeah. think of it that way. Same here. I, I don't think I've ever read anything that scared me to the point where I wouldn't want to revisit it. Because if it scared you that much, isn't that the intent of a horror story? You would want to revisit it. The whole object of the story is to be scared. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. Do you, did something scare you, Little Wood? Yes. And what would well, that be? The Bible. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I I can't get ten pages into that thing. That's a fucking. It's got zombies. It's got, yeah, uh, incest, just incest, murder, vampires. Yeah, I, I probably, yeah. Read carefully. There's Frankenstein. People turn to pillars of salt. It's it's got it's got aliens in it. Don't forget the aliens. All right, should we move on? Yes, let's move on. Now that I've offended half of our listening audience, if not more. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that People one. are yelling, blasphema! <laughs> Which horror comic should be made into a horror movie? This is from Leon the Professional. I think this is a really good question. Triple X Zombies? <laughs> one, one, one that most people can go to see. Walking Dead? Well, no, it wouldn't be a movie. That'd be more of a TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. like show, yeah. showtime show. I'd like a really dope like science fiction Frankenstein <laughs> Did you, did you say dope? Dope, yeah. Dope, man, dope, man. Hey, sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> a real keen, take my oh, a real keen Frankenstein <laughs> story. This Frankenstein is the berries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Neato, this gear, this story is real gear. <laughs> I, this, I, this is a very hard question, too, uh, because most of the things that I would say would have to be long miniseries. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Lock and Key has already yeah. been. Oh yeah, it's already in the works. So yeah, uh, um, yeah. Criminal you know, Macabre. Criminal yeah, Macabre. I, mean, yeah. I mean, most comic, uh, most horror comics can be translated to movies pretty easily because that's. I mean, it's just the 
just the style that they are unless you get into the into the longer series like Walking Dead like Tom was saying and then I mean you could easily well, see that a being like them, a hmm? a lot of them have their basis in movies already like our yeah, image exactly, of what a exactly. zombie is comes from. that have been around for a long time yeah. it's like, like these I, I, off them. I have in my mind an idea of what Dracula looks like because I mean Dracula has been in a thousand movies you know or what a Fra- you know Frankenstein looks like because he's been in a ton of movies so it's a little hard sometimes because you're like well how would you do a Frankenstein that's not you know like the other 200 versions of Frankenstein you know and that's why I'm an accountant and <laughs> make uh, the agent shade <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm an accountant. I'm not a creator. If I had a good idea, I'd keep it for myself. So <laughs> I wouldn't be saying it out loud. Well, unfortunately, we, we've seen what happens when good comic characters get translated into bad movies. Like the man thing, which oh, is a gosh. horrible freaking movie. Yeah. That was a and, nightmare. Uh, even the two Swamp Thing movies were really, really bad. <sighs> a- Adrian Barbeau could not even save the first one. And many that is a truly terrible movie. Books of hell. <laughs> How about a Hellblazer movie? Wouldn't that be good? They if, t- if cast, <laughs> may, maybe ten years. No, I'm not saying the Keanu Reeves. If they cast John Constantine more towards the character and not I, I, for, for I, Hollywood, I, I like that movie. Do you really? Yeah, yeah I didn't mind. I, I didn't mind that. I, I like oh, Constantine. I think it's totally I think you, shit. I think if you go into it without any prior knowledge with any uh, any expectations i think it could be okay but mm. i mean it's not if you have expectations of what you think constantine's going to be it's it's not going to match it because keanu reeves and unless, unless they decided to change hellblazer to act like keanu reeves <laughs> the guy's range is not fantastic when your main yeah, was... when your main skill is acting confused <laughs> you know that's <laughs> You know, I was really disappointed they didn't cast Sting for that part because he would be perfect for it. Oh, man. oh, God, that would be insufferable. Insufferable. He's oh, the he's the person Sting. they modeled the character from. He's, yeah, in 1985. Well, yeah, not now. You'd be having tantric friggin' sex all over the place. Yeah, because he was so good in Dune. I want to see him acting. Well, he wasn't bad in Dune. Oh, stop. Uh, I will kill him. What do you? Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Dune. <laughs> Our hor- <laughs> Dune is a fantastic movie. It's very unappreciated. When you, no, when you have a movie that has so... It's almost, I don't know, half of it is narration over the top of the movie explaining to you what's so well, happening in it. That's the studio that did that. Our horror comics best... <laughs> silence, silence. Are horror comics best when they depict horror and violence in graphic, explicit manner, or do they work best when they are suspenseful and the true horror is left to the reader's imagination? From Jim N. You can fuck up both. Depends on the story. I, yeah. I, I, th- I think all of us like a, a fun, gory horror comic, but then there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said for for what in your imagination. I, I had mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, the wife and I were sitting around watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre this week. and Date night? Real, do what? <laughs> it was date, date night, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and realized, you know, kind of like John Carpenter's Halloween, how little gore is is in that. Right. It, either one of those movies. But you think of them as being these horrific, gory, bloody movies, and they're they're not. 
Texas Chainsaw was banned in a lot of uh, places, but you're right. It's it's basically a bloodless movie. It's all left to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really that's effective big, too. That's more because America has always had a problem with chainsaws. <laughs> they show people fucking on screen, but they won't show a chainsaw. I can't show cutting a chainsaw a, in this country. Cutting up a crippled dude. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween, gentlemen. This is the storyteller, and I'm here with your worst fears. <laughs> Wood. The market will never recover, and Marvel Comics will have to shut its doors. All of their properties will be purchased and drawn by one man, Michael Allred. <laughs> Chris, police will find the body of Greg Rucker in Lake Michigan, weighted down by hundreds of bottles of bourbon. They only have one suspect, and it isn't Tom Caters. David Price, <laughs> Matt Wagner will contact you about your podcast, Marvel Noise. Sadly noting that it's not as good as the previous show with all those funky 20-minute intros. <laughs> and finally, Vince B. After a weekend bin session on Yinling Canned Brew, you wake up naked in your bed. Your wife will be standing there and inform you that your worst fears come true. <laughs> You've impregnated her. <laughs> she will name the child Mario. Does art play an even more important role in horror comics than in other comics? It seems crucial in a horror comic to establish atmosphere, use black effectively, etc., because mood and tone are often everything in horror. That's, again, from Jim N. And I think, yes, a substandard illustrator can kill a horror story more quickly than a substandard illustrator would kill a superhero tale. Let's just put it that way. I think you have to have an illustrator of a certain capability or standard to effectively convey what the writer's trying to push across for horror because a lot of it's very subtle hey man we, we all love those ec comics but um it ain't because the writing true it's, right. it's the art. Mean, those those really stand on the merits of the arts and mm-hmm. it's the the writings is from a different era it's it's way exposition heavy it's it's just not it's it's not modern writing. We love those because of the art. So, yeah, I think I think in horror comics, art is really important. And it should be in black and white. Uh, okay, Zach, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's 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 the art all the way for all the exact same reasons that Chris said. It's it, it's so much more important. If if I flip open a, a horror comic and the art looks awful, then or it's you know a, a style that's inappropriate for a horror comic, I'll just immediately close it and not even bother. It's it's the art for me. Now think about it this way. Would Man-Thing have been as effective if Vince Coletta illustrated it instead of Mike Plug? There you go. I don't well, think so. No, I, I agree. The question, though, is is it more important? I, I, see, I have a problem with it because, I, I, to me, I mean, how can you – how is art not important in any comic? I mean, otherwise, why is it a comic and not a, a novel? Well, I just don't – like, good art is important for a comic to be a, a, a great comic. I don't – you, you need you need art that sets the tone that tells a good story that isn't. I mean, so I. I but there are mismatched 
Yeah, but I don't know that teams. it's more important. I think art, good art is vitally important no matter what kind of comic you're trying to... Well, to go back with, to what Chris said, look at the EC stuff. Those are regarded as some of the best comics ever. And when you read them, you know, the stories are they're fun. And yeah, the little twist at the ending get, wears its welcome out after about the 30th or 40th. But f- in my opinion, the visuals are everything with those stories. It's not like Two-Fisted Tales or uh, the, like the war books where the stories were just as important as, as the art. The, for the horror books, they, they kind of had an edge because their, their draftsmen were so damn talented. I guess I could see that. I, I just think art's important for everything, though. So, well, you're right. You're right. But I mean, how many times have you seen a bad, badly drawn superhero book that had a great story? Sure, but it doesn't. My point, though, is that then it would be it wouldn't be a great comic. It'd be a comic where if we were reviewing it, say, ah, you know, the story was actually pretty good, but the art held it back. You know, so I I guess it's just the, okay. the it's the wording of the question. The more important, I don't know if it's more important. I think it's very important, though. Yes. Well, Justin Hall asks if you had to. Live in the universe of any of the horror comics, Walking Dead, House of Mystery, Vault of Horror, etc. Which would you pick and why? Cool question. <laughs> Tom. Oh, I would live with Swamp Thing because I'd be tripping balls all the time <laughs> on that fruit that would come off, off of them. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. He just wrapped me up in his big swampy arms. <laughs> Have a tuber. Awesome. Yeah, I'd eat that tuber. Be the new hot. Uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Swamp with Thing the- slash fiction. Nice. I'm gonna stick with the theme and uh go with uh triple X zombies. <laughs> oh man. Because oh, I love the seventies. Yeah. It's tr- it's true. Zach, what do you got? Uh, live in the universe of any of the horror comics? Well, I, mm-hmm. I just I just say House of Mystery, because then I could just live my everyday life. I wouldn't have to worry about doing anything unless I just you know wandered into doors that I shouldn't be wandering into or visiting houses you know on hills that I have no business attending. The so, rent sucks. Yeah, the exactly. Rent sucks big time. It's expensive, <laughs> there, and there's no reason to pay that much when I could just stay at home, eat a burger, and yeah. watch a football game. And the house is drafty. The eating bill is ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't have enough socks to keep my feet warm, so... You're screwed. It's over for me. So that's why I say House of Mystery. Come join me in my slash my slash fiction Swamp Thing universe. I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to. Swamp Thing's hand slowly runs its way down my naked back. <laughs> God. Oh. I giggle. I, I picture, Jason, I picture one rescue tuber. us here. <laughs> Have a bite of this tuber. <laughs> we, can both take a tuber. Same bite. we can both take a bite of the same tuber <laughs> at once. At, at, at different ends, like Lady yeah, in the exactly. Tramp. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like Lady in the Tramp, yeah. Oh, make it go away. Jason. <laughs> Join me. Jason, what universe would you like to live in? Walking Dead, because I own a copy of the Zombie Survival Guide, so I'm all set. What a nice. bleak universe, though. Don't you think? Hell no, dude. You'd, you'd be, you would live in constant fear if you left. No, the, I wouldn't. If you now, I'm not talking in the prison. You're oh, dude, automatically I, assuming that maybe you were safe. I'd make myself Every, safe, dude. I got a copy of Max Brooks' Zombie Survival Guide. I know how to survive, man. Myself uh, set up. A book is not going to save you. Now, okay, toe. moving away oh, from yourself, what about your family? Oh, my family be with me. I might throw my right, horn at them to help us get away, but... Oh, bullshit. No, you would not. 
<laughs> Sorry, Colin. That's that, that's that's the that's the thing I find the most terrifying about Walking Dead is not so much for my my own well being, but the people around me, like my kids and and well, my kids. Well, you know, <laughs> you're in a world where everything's trying to eat you, and what's not trying to eat you is to trying to steal what you have. That's it's incredibly terrifying. No, I would not want to live in the Walking Dead Pretty universe. Much Wall Street, so that, that, pretty much live that that's every day. True. I don't know where I'd like to live. I, I think it would be really cool to hang around with Swamp Thing and Tom yeah. and get get involved in the in the slash fiction. <laughs> put on put on these bike shorts. <laughs> my tuber's making a bulge. I I, I think Join me. you know I would I would really like to live in the Tomb of Dracula world, only be, only because it it was set in the seventies and that that's a was the time in which I grew up. So. It's it's kind of special to me, and things were a lot simpler back then. And if you only have really one antagonist, which would be Dracula, I think you could chances for survival would be a lot higher than if you had thousands and millions of zombies trying to eat your uh, eat yourself there. Yeah, but he would yeah. be going right for you. And the women were a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll go with Swamp Thing. Yeah. Only because Abby was really hot. Could Abby watch as we do the tuber thing? Dude, everything's up for grabs, man. How about how about Tefe, the the, the kid? Oh yeah, now we're talking. It's all up for grabs. All right. Everything goes Number in the swamp. Our fi- our last question here: What is the best adaptation of a modern era horror novel? In comic book form, and this comes from Mr. Tom Morris. Uh, I don't know what the best is, but I can tell you what the most surprising to me was. I never expected the Stephen King adaptations to be as good as they are. Never in a million years did I expect The Stand or Dark Tower to be as solid. They're fantastic comics, and even if you have the slightest interest in Stephen King, you should really pick them up because they're great, great books. No doubt. Would you say the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. The stand so far has been phenomenal. I can't think of something uh, I'd put above it. Yeah, Perkins has really surprised me on that. I like his stuff, but he is. It, it seems like he, you could see the enthusiasm right on the comic page that he has for this story. Hopefully he'll be enthusiastic when he's two and a half years into it. <laughs> and still well, it's job security. Yeah, true. Zach, what do you got? Yeah, I know that this for, is... As far as modern stuff goes, it's the Stephen King stuff. I haven't read Dark Tower, so I can't comment on that. But uh, but The Stand is the one for me. So, Chris, oh gosh, I stay away from so many of the the movie or TV adaptations. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on this one. Besides besides the King stuff, so I'll just throw my hat hat in the same ring. Okay, I guess we got to hear from Tom. I have. I hope I hope it's not slash fiction that he's talking I have, about. I have no answer. I do have a little bit of slash fiction, but I'll save that. All right. Well, we've covered all the questions. Cool. I didn't Yay. think we'd get through it in the in the allotted time. Happy Halloween. But I, is that it? Yeah. You sound like you guys sound like you're dead. It's been long. <laughs> this wasn't <laughs> long. I can go for another hour. I wake up in Swamp Thing's arms. <laughs> Cold but comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, uh, shit. Never mind. I don't want to get into it. Because the the guys are tired, I guess we should call this night. I thank you, Zach Crucy, for being with us. I will forever say your name the right way. No, thank you. Hey, very much. It was our pleasure having you here. 
Yes. And, Tom, thank you for bringing the funny once again. No problem. <laughs> he he cuts it up the whole episode and or the, yeah no problem so so thank you Tom for being here but uh, next week hopefully we'll have Mr Price back with us so guys say bye 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 all right you make some creepy sounds for the, for the Halloween. Uh, <laughs> very nice how how would you sound in in the throes of passion with Swamp Thing. That's what I want to know. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty lame. Oh, that sounds appropriate. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You probably have a, a tree stump jammed up your ass. But I'm also, I've eaten so many tubers. So many tubers. <laughs> so you wouldn't feel the tree stump is what you're saying. No. I'd be in a perfect, relaxed state. <laughs> Bye. See you oh, next wait, week. Wait, that was recorded? Blame it on me. 6 a.m.